The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. I think what's happened is the world has so stolen the sanctity of this gift, so twisted it, cheapened it, perverted it, robbed it of its glory, that it has made sexual conversation such a taboo thing. We've allowed the enemy to confuse us. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the Holy Word of God, there is nothing confusing about the gift of sex. Sex, Jesus, and the conversations the church forgot. Next. Today. I'm James Robinson. Betty and I are just thrilled to share this time with you. Thank you. You're really, really special. I, I believe with all my heart that you've got to be among the most special people in the world. You watch life today, you know what you always know? You're going to get blessed. There's no question about that. But you're going to get to bless someone. You may get to bless a lot of people, and you're going to be blessed doing it, and you enjoy it. We've got an exciting guest, Mo Isom. She was an All-American goalie in soccer and uh, very talented. But uh, the Lord changed her life uh, miraculously. And the boldness and courage with which she tells her story and her journey is remarkable. Mm -hmm. The title of the book that's out, and I'm telling you it's gonna really bless a lot of people, Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations the Church Forgot. Mm -hmm. Wow. Would you welcome Mo Eisen to Life Today. I'm glad to see you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. This is a treat. All right. I want you just to cut to the chase. I want, I want you to tell us your story, your journey. Yes. Because uh, I, I know you don't want to no holds barred. Mm -hmm. I mean, you started out with, the, you know, the term sex. The, the first, title's just no holds barred. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, here's the thing. First time we ever talked about sex on television on our program, Betty put a brown paper sack over her head <laughs> and cut holes in it. This little Baptist <laughs> girl. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, well, anyway. Yes. She can handle it now. She's, we've been yes. married 55 years. I was going to say, you've got some experience okay. under your belt. So. Okay. Let, let, let's hear your, your story. I mean, yes. Okay, you're, you were blessed uh, as an All-American in, in soccer. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but that, that, the story you want to tell, let, let's hear it. What, what happened to you as a girl? Yeah, it's, um, you know, Christ just encountered my life in a really radical way. Um, so growing up, um, was this incredible athlete and enjoyed playing soccer and excelled in it. Um, but a lot was going on behind closed doors too, struggling with identity issues and an eating disorder. Um, lost my dad very unexpectedly to suicide and, uh, was in a horrific car accident and it just adversity after adversity after adversity. But Christ encountered me in that car accident and transformed my heart completely. And my life looked so different moving forward from there. And I realized as I was, you know, moving and healing that my sexual narrative, the, the, the sexual part of my story so paralleled the brokenness, the hurt, these seasons of depression and anxiety and struggle and promiscuity. And then Christ encountered it and it transformed my perspective completely. So, you know, I was someone growing up, um, 
I guess uh, the church had a lot to say about do this, don't do that, this is right, this is uh, wrong, and we talked a lot about virginity, but we never actually really talked about purity, what God cares deeply about, a pure heart. Mm. Um, we talked a lot about behavior modification, but we never really talked about heart transformation. Mm -hmm. um, I heard a lot about sex, but I never really heard about why it mattered to be obedient to what God designed. Um, and so it just uh, played out in some broken ways in my youth. And, you know, at eight years old, I came across my first um, glimpse at pornography. Actually, a playing card, a novelty poker card mm -hmm. fell out of the back of my dad's truck, and I picked it up and saw it. And um, porn just sears something on your soul. It just affected me in a really big way at eight years old mm -hmm. and out of my father's belongings. Um, and so I started down a path of struggling with pornography. Um, and it, it almost calls out to you. It almost seeks you. You seek it and you try to find it. And I just filled my mind and my heart and my eyes with really broken things. And, you know, that kind of desensitized me to the point that uh, when temptation really came, I started acting these things out and trying them. And um, we live in a culture that says it's fine, it's good, it's it's our entertainment, you know, and it's, um, it's permissible. And, um, you know, figure it out. Give it a try. And I just really started to lose myself in promiscuity. Mm -hmm. Then after the loss of my dad, that grief triggered even more promiscuity, any sin-sized piece to fill that hole in my heart. And, um, you know, I was still kind of waving this proud banner of virgin because I was supposed to be a virgin, right, as a, as a church girl. But um, I was just really wrestling with a lot in the darkness and in a really broken place. Even I uh, struggled with adultery involved with uh, a married man unknowingly in college, mm. still waving this banner of virginity, but um, just really missing it, missing the full understanding of it and um, just in a very dark place. Um, but God encountered me so incredibly. And when he did that, he didn't just, um, you know, change one little element of my life here or there. He completely um, brought me from death to life. He opened my eyes to the truth of who he was and the truth of what he called from me for my life. And it was in that place that I encountered um, the truth of who Jesus really was in light of my sexual sin. Mm. Um, and it, was, it, was, it, it, it completely shifted my perspective. I came to know the God who used Rahab the prostitute in the lineage of Jesus Christ. I came to know the Jesus who sat with the whore, by all accounts, the Samaritan woman at the well, um, in the face of all of her sexual filth, he didn't run, he stayed. And he offered her living water that she would never thirst again. Mm -hmm. I came to know the Jesus who stood with the adulteress and didn't cast a stone, but said in response to my great love and mercy, live different, go and sin no more. And when I encountered that Jesus, it, it, it just transformed my heart completely. And all of this shame and all of this guilt and this deep, broken sexual past, it just transforms my understanding completely of who Jesus was in light of my sexual sin and um, the mercy and the grace that he extended and um, the great compassion that I believe Jesus feels for people struggling with sexual sin. Because if we're gonna be honest here, it's the vast majority of people. <laughs> Listen to this, and I'm gonna talk about pornography specifically because this is a, a piercing issue in our culture right no now. Doubt. In 2016, one calendar year, on one pornographic website, and there are hundreds of thousands, but on one year and one website, 
We as a people consumed 4.6 billion hours of pornography. That is 500 one website. One mm. website. Mm -hmm. Just one out of the many. Mm -hmm. That's 524,000 years of pornography. That is 17,000 complete lifetimes of porn consumed in one year on one website. And I think we're missing the mark if we assume this is just unsaved males wrestling with this. Mm -hmm. This statistic is men. Porn is affecting women. Porn is affecting children. It's affecting the church. It's affecting those outside of the church. It is universally affecting us. The average age of exposure to pornography is nine years old. I was exposed at eight. Now with you know handheld devices, these are these are elementary school kids accessing these things on the school bus. Sure. And the and enemy. far beyond anything you would have seen when you were eight. Oh my or goodness. When I was a child, or they did see when I was a child. No, my first exposure was like trying to figure out the fuzzy channels and <laughs> where you would see it on TV and like uh -huh. trying to figure out what it was. And now it's a you click on the wrong hashtag on Twitter and suddenly you're inundated yeah. with porn, and and sexual sin. The enemy has used it in such a precise way to just silence us with shame. I know that very good people are trapped. You know, mm -hmm. ministers, leaders are trapped. You were a good little girl and you were trapped. Mm -hmm. You weren't some evil person. Right. But you had some natural, what, what do you think makes a woman or a girl, why do you suddenly become interested in that? See, I can understand a boy, a boy, a normal boy thinks a, a girl's the prettiest thing God ever made. Mm -hmm. And the fact is that she is. Women are beautiful and don't Amen. let any woman ever feel like you're not beautiful <laughs> because you don't look like certain ones that people say that's beautiful. Yeah. Stop all this nonsense. You're a beautiful person. You're beautiful individuals. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, sex is a powerful attraction, and, and girls are attracted to men. So sex is in itself a very beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And the thing is that men who are love God mm -hmm. see that's good, and they're they're trapped by it. But mm -hmm. it, it puts it puts a hook in. It's like a tattoo on your brain. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's a it's a passion that's indescribable for men. Yeah. And they find themselves trapped. They they have a love hate relationship with it. They don't right. know what to do. And the church, like you said, what did you say? The church forgot. We don't talk about it in the right way. If we talk about it, it's the wrong way. We're condemning everybody, making them feel like dirt. But the point is people are buried. So how do we speak to the woman or to the men? What's, what's your word to us? Because I know you want people to hear. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that we have to understand is that sexual sin struggles, sexual temptation, they're not just a male issue. They're, they're an issue of the heart. Women are sexual creatures too. I know that might be a big announcement to the Baptist <laughs> church, but women are sexual creatures too. You know, and we have um, the same temptations and urges and, you know, all of these things. And I think what's happened is the world has so stolen the sanctity of this gift, so twisted it, cheapened it, perverted it, robbed it of its glory, that it has made sexual conversation such a taboo thing. And unfortunately, I feel like the body of Christ, and that's who I'm addressing when I say the church, I'm talking about us, a body of believers. Sure. We've almost bought into this taboo stigma and we feel like, oh, it's a big cultural issue. I don't know how to speak into it. I don't know what to say. I'm actually wrestling with some stuff in private and you know, I don't, we've, we've allowed the enemy to confuse us. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the holy word of God, there is nothing confusing about the gift of sex.
a gift given to us, an act of worship given to us, actually a weapon in marriage against the enemy, mm. a unifying tool that the enemy has, has allowed to become something so divisive and really silenced us feeling like it's too taboo to discuss. And so my whole, this book isn't a call out of the church, it's a call up. Let's reclaim sex for the glory of God. Mm. Let's speak right into this because it's an important conversation to be had. And let's understand this isn't just a male thing or just a female thing, but this is an issue of the heart. And I mean, what you see in the Garden of Eden with Eve, she never intentionally chose to be this terrible person and rebel. Very few of us wake up one morning in complete purity and think, you know what? I'm gonna go sleep with five people today. You know, it's not like suddenly there's this massive shift. What happened with Eve in the garden and what we've seen through the course of history since then is that we've chosen to choose for ourselves what is best for us. Eve saw a little temptation and she chose to choose for herself in spite of God's instruction. And I think that's what happens with us. It's a heart condition. It's a heart condition of making ourselves the God of our own stories, of choosing what we think will fill that void or mend that pain or give us that pleasure we desire, whatever it may be, and um, kind of compartmentalizing our lives. And then the repercussions of sexual sin come crashing in and suddenly we're confused and we're hurt and we're mad at God. Um, but I think it's... Um, it's just indicative that we as a culture are suffering from a heart struggle in understanding the truth of sex. Well, what would you say to someone that's mm -hmm. been listening to you and your story and your journey, saying, I'm all of those things, I've been there, I'm just where she's, but yeah. what do I do? Who, do I go to somebody? Do I, how do I get help to get out of this trap? Yeah, I would say first and foremost, the scripture, no temptation that's overtaken you is uncommon to man. It is so many of us wrestling with these very same things. And so the first truth I would speak over anyone wrestling with that is you are not alone. Mm -hmm. You are just and not. And you're not unloved. And you're, and you're not, not unreachable and unhelpable. No, you're Or unlovable. Seen. You're seen, you're known. The God of the universe, he sent his son to die on the cross for you, for the redemption, the freedom from that stranglehold over your life. In fact, he feels great compassion, great pity, great love for those who are entangled in something, I mean, further and tighter than they ever even realized. And so I would say there's hope. And his name is Jesus, because yeah. Jesus is the one who can transform our hearts completely and can bring us out of that pit. They don't need to see themselves as wicked. We don't need to make them feel like they're wicked. They're trapped by something that is wicked mm -hmm. that the enemy has made that was great and good. Mm -hmm. And here's what I think the church has to help people understand and parents with their children. Every sin is without the body, but sexual impurity is sin against your own body. Mm -hmm. The people don't realize when we get trapped into sexual impurity, we're actually damaging the very potential that's been put there for the full exhilaration and enjoyment of it. Right. And the more people are exposed to this, the more they desensitize themselves, the more they reach a place that they cannot get that, which is then why right. many of them go to drugs or go to extremes trying to get a high. Yeah. They don't realize they're setting themselves back, taking away the beautiful gift God gave them while they've actually erroneously made an idol out of it or it's captured their art, mm -hmm. captured their eyes or their mind, and it has held them as a prisoner. 
we've got to be willing to speak openly. Right. So you're willing to talk openly about defeat. Years ago, I talked about how lust had, had literally damaged me and could have destroyed me totally. Can any of us? And you, we've got to realize that. We, yeah. there's, there's got to be a willingness to talk openly. And right. Sherry, do you agree? People need to be willing to say, I'm struggling with this. So of you course. have no problem talking about it now because you found there's freedom. You found you weren't unloved. You were loved by God. Right. You might have been in a ditch. He was wanting to get you out. He wouldn't want to bury you in it. He's right. wanting to lift you up out of it. That's the message the church has got to get out. Exactly. And not make people feel like they're wicked because they're trapped by something that the wicked may be promoting right. and magnifying and, and marketing. Right. But they're just caught. They're, they're, they're the captives that need to be set free. Exactly. We are fiercely, fiercely loved by God. Seen, known. We were the pinnacle of His work, His creation. He delights in us. And he, it, it's the whole reason He sent Christ to the cross so that we could move in that freedom, in that power. And uh, I mean, it's just, um, it's, it's liberating when we come to know that truth. And it truly does have the power to set us free from this bondage. Um, I, I, I love the, the transformation that um, God is so faithful to, to pulse through people's lives when, when they humbly come before the Lord and say, take it, take it, make this burden easy and this yoke light. And he's so faithful to free us of that bondage. And um, I, I think there's a, a neat shift happening right now. I see um, a world that is deeply hurting and inundated by sexual sin. Mm -hmm. But I also look at scripture that says, boast in your weaknesses so you can point to the glory of the cross. That's right. Boast in that that's bound you so it makes grace matter. Mm -hmm. And the more voices that rise up and say, this was my weakness, this was my struggle, this is what almost took me down. But if that cross did not set me free, if I don't know freedom through that, that is what I have to boast in. The more voices that can rise up that way, we will see revival in our culture. We, we, it, we won't be able to help but see a shift in response to the goodness and glory of a God who loves us, even in the midst of our mess, even in the depths of our filth. He says, my it, grace, my mercy extends all the deeper. Isn't that what you're pouring out through this book? Yes, it's the a book of healing, message. hope. You, you, and you help, no holds barred. You didn't hold back. Yeah. And you're pouring out the love of God in any situation on any person, no matter where they are. Yep. And you, like you said, you okay, you kept certain rules. And yet you were violating mm -hmm. the very purity and the essence of purity. Yeah. You know, if, if we could only learn to really respect one another. And let me just say to you, ladies, you are, and I, I had Betty stand in front of the entire group here tonight and say, look at the pretty blouse she bought from one of our <laughs> wonderful friends that has a dress shop. It has supported the ministry for a long, long time, Michelle. And, and I said, my wife is beautiful, 55 years married, nearly four years we dated. And I mean, and... We were so pure, weren't we, and sweet? We were, because this little lady right here, I told her, I said, sometimes I may not feel so pure. Mm -hmm. You need to be real strong. So she's really <laughs> strong. And you know what? She could block any move I made. And sometimes now, I'll put a move on her, and she'll block it and yeah. say, I'm still strong. I'm still Cabin, strong. You know? That black belt, it doesn't fade. <laughs> Listen to me. We love you, and I want all of you to know you're beautiful and you're loved. Please understand how much God loves you. This precious, precious woman right here has poured out the love of God in total openness. This is a fantastic book. She's got a fantastic journey. You're a beautiful witness for Christ. You glow with the glory of God. Would you say thanks to Mo for being so open and so honest? And she's a beautiful picture. <laughs> and she can block those kids. Listen to me. You are such an awesome audience. 
Betty and I feel so blessed that we could even be considered your friend and that you would experience life today by sharing life today. We're going to show you something right now that every viewer says, we don't have any greater joy than doing what you're about to ask us to do. And boy, you talk about something that lasts not only for a lifetime, but for eternity. That's what you're going to see. You're going to see love that lasts for eternity when it's expressed. Watch. This is heartbreaking. This little guy's telling a story about his baby sister who just died this year from drinking this water right here. It's just awful to hear us listen to. Right now, these three siblings live with their grandmother, who takes care of them the best she can. But every day, they still either have to drink the same water that took their sister's life, or else die themselves from dehydration. We know there's a better option. Contaminated water may take lives, but clean water saves lives. If you help us drill a clean water well in this village, you will protect children from ever having to drink this water again. I don't want to see that water take one more child away from this family. I don't believe there's a single person watching us right now, Betty, and what we just saw. They can think about that little boy talking about his sister. He's got two other little girls there, sisters with him. But he's talking about his baby sister dying and about how sad he was. That's a precious little boy thinking about that. It's not something that should even register in a child's mind. But Betty, that contaminated water is killing hundreds of them. That was a grave they were kneeling by and our mission overseer, Ralph Doan, was standing there by a grave. He said, let's stop this. And the way we stop it is by drilling a fresh water well in that area. You saw there at the end, the children rejoicing where there was a well drilled. You've helped drill at the end of this year, 6,000 water wells. Think about that. That's a lot of love. And that's millions of lives touched and literally millions saved and led to Christ because we give them water for life because of the water of life. Would you right now help us drill the 400 water wells this year? We've got 200 to go. We just need a miracle outpouring of love, and I believe we're going to have it. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Go online, take the website there, or dial the number that's there as a prayer line, always to help you and pray with you. Take your bank card and just make the best gift God leads you to make. Here's what I want you to understand. 
The whales average $4,800 each. Sometimes individuals say, I'm gonna give a whale. It becomes a great joy. If you can give a whale, please do, or a portion of a whale. Please know this, the majority of what comes in to drill those wells, people giving $48 or $144. Example, $48 gives 10 people water the rest of their life. 144, 30 people water the rest of their life. So there's a level at which everyone can participate. We have some gifts to send you, the miracles of Christ, which is exactly what we share when we give a cup of water. Jesus says you give a cup of water in my name, you won't lose your reward. We're giving away beautiful coffee mugs, one for the morning, one for the evening, with the scriptures there to just really rejoice and praise the Lord morning and evening. Great way to start the day and close the day. We also have the beautiful Thomas Kincaid Bridge of Faith. If you can give a gift of $1,200 or more toward the $4,800 well, ask for that beautiful framed canvas. Thank you so much for being sensitive. Thank you for not turning away when you see someone with a broken heart and you see a need that love can meet. Thank you for meeting that need. Would you please right now make the gift God puts on your heart by calling the number or going online. Thank you so much for doing it. You are giving life. That's the greatest gift. Today, a mother living in extreme poverty will do the unthinkable. Give her children dirty, disease-filled water that she knows could kill them. With no other choice, what's a mother to do? With your help, clean water is on the way. Mission Water for Life provides a new beginning for thousands of children and their families. A bright future with better health. With your gift today, you can help drill 400 water wells in remote villages in 15 nations. Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five people. A gift of $48 will help provide for 10. $72 will provide for 15 people. And $144 will help provide life-giving water for 30 people for a lifetime. With your gift, we'll send you the miracles of Christ, what living beyond impossible looks like. Filled with scriptures, prayers, and stories of Jesus' miraculous power, James Robison adds insight about how to walk in faith and live beyond the impossible. With your gift of $100 or more, request the morning and evening coffee mug set. Each mug features beautiful artwork and scripture from Psalm 92.2, a wonderful reminder of God's faithfulness each day. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well. And you may request the beautiful Bridge of Faith framed canvas print by Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your gift online. Well, thank you from the bottom of our heart for your help and your love, not just today, but all the time. If it's the first time you've ever helped drill a well, it won't be the last, I promise you. Sending you the miracles of Christ, the beautiful uh, morning and evening coffee mugs or whatever you like to drink as a warm drink. And here, if you'd like to have Mo's book, and I'm telling you, this one's relevant. And she got the glory and glow of God all over. And I believe God really gifted her to write this and to share it. If you say, James, would you send it to me? It's online, you can get it in the bookstores. But you say, if we help, you know, give water, would you send it to us? If you want us to, we will. You just ask for it. Join Betty and me and send thanks to Mo again. for being here. Mo, bless you. You're a blessing, thank you. Thank you so much, all of you, thank you for being here. We got a few of her friends that played soccer with her at LSU. Thank all of you for watching.
in every destination, every place you end up on the zigzag road, there is a lesson in that place. Vocalist Anthony Evans, next week. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.